Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify and Google. It will make a huge difference to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hey y'all, it's Jessie. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Helen. <laughs> and um, it's coming up into summer. Yeah, you forgot to do Isn't the it, introduction. Helen? Oh, I think people know that they're listening to Asian bitches down on yeah, right? Welcome everyone. Hi to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I just I have a cup of coffee next to me. Coffee? And, you never drink coffee. Yeah, and, <laughs> oh, I drink like two uh, like instant coffee because oh, I'm not okay. a coffee snob. Uh-huh. But anyway, I do it more of a as a habit. Like I really like little habits. Uh-huh. Um, I, yeah, I've, I'm so not a habit kind of person, but I realized that little, um, it's going to make me sound so fucking white, but like little rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but isn't that just but like discipline? Really, it's a very Asian well, like, thing, it's, being disciplined. No, no, I, I think um, people somehow have like co-opted this word routine into this, like, makes you sound like a scheduled person, mm-hmm. but like really, like, um, routine is like getting up in the morning and going to do your morning wee. That's a routine, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I, I obviously do that. And, like, while I go to the bathroom, I hit, I fill my kettle and I hit the the boil button. Uh-huh, yeah. I just, even even when I don't actually drink, which I, I actually do, but sometimes I, the moment I come home, mm-hmm. no matter what hour it is, like, whatever, no matter what hour of the day or night, yeah. I come home and I hit the water, like, I go to my kettle and I just boil water. Yeah, it's same. Like, just, yeah, it just makes me feel like I'm home. I'm settled, uh-huh. and like if I want a drink of water or tea or coffee, uh-huh. like it's there for me. I feel like it's a very—I don't know if it's an Asian thing, but it definitely happens right. in our household because we always yeah. have a boil of water. Yes, you know our mum yes, always. Our mother. <laughs> yes, she says don't drink always... tap water. Never drink yeah, tap water. She constantly has. So my mum, like we grew up, um, and in our house, like my mother, and she still has this in her home, uh, has like a constant um cycle of boiling water. Yeah. Somewhere on the kitchen. That's bench. right. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, she has another so kettle I'm... which I do as well, like a yes, jug of she's... cold water, which is boiled. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She has like three or four different jugs <laughs> on the kitchen bench. Um, so I mentioned my coffee because like I just looked over and I have a I have like a million gazillion house plants in my bedroom. It's like a jungle in my room, and I accidentally like stuffed a bit of my some of the leaves went into my coffee. <laughs> okay. But I think it's still drinkable. Yeah, it's drinkable. The leaf's not going to do any harm. I'm yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> if it's not poisonous. <laughs> yeah, so um, this morning when I finished writing, I wrote a piece about the Grammys um, for Women's Agenda. The Grammys? You mean the, the yeah, music awards? the Grammy Awards. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 which I just like, I'm so disinterested in. But anyway, um, after that, I did a bit of gardening, which was like just a nice <laughs> way to break up my day. I love gardening. <laughs> You're turning into mum. I know my our mother is like ninety nine percent of her day is just doing gardening. Yeah. yeah, and I never understood it until like recently. I still don't um, understand it. I don't think I'll ever become oh, a gardening person. No, no, you don't have to. It's just like there's something about going to a place like a physical place every day and mm. seeing the small changes, and like actually physically pushing your fingers amongst like dirt yeah, and greens yeah, and I leaves. It feels uh-huh. really earthy and wholesome. Uh-huh. So you're repeating yourself. <laughs> you're essentially talking about cottage core. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, kill me. Um, I have had a really busy week. Mm-hmm. Let me start with you, Helen. What's what's up with you? Oh, um, just yesterday I've been doing a lot. Yesterday I think I overdone with my body yesterday, um, because uh, ever since you know COVID hit earlier this year, well with the lockdown, I signed up yoga abs, and I've been continuously doing like like what you said about routine and I think I just pick up the habit of doing yoga which I hate before 
COVID. It's just not something for me. But oh, um, do you do yoga with Adrian? Because that's what I've been doing. No, it was a yo. It's like a app called Down Dog. Like everything right. was dog on app. <laughs> anyway, it's a, like yeah, right. a video, and you can select the time that you want to do your yoga and the cool. um, difficulties. So I'm, I'm up uh-huh. to like upper intermediate now, which is one level away from events, which mm-hmm. I'm pretty proud of because I'm almost can do the, what, what do you call those? The crowd, crow pro pose, the, which is, which is exactly. the one that you fucked yeah. up your wrist. Yeah. So, um, I was like, I've always been a massive yogi. Mm, so mm. it like breaks my heart that my sister is saying that she doesn't, she doesn't <laughs> yeah, like yoga. Um, yeah. So five years ago, five or six years ago, um, I was try. I think I was at a new studio and I, the teacher called on me. Uh-huh. I was at the front row, which is like all where the alpha women or men mm, are. Mm, mm. You know, you go to any al- uh, studio um, class of yoga, it's always the alpha people at the at front, front row. Yeah. And I was like at the front trying to show off. And I did a crow pose to because the, the teacher asked me to show off, show the demonstrate uh-huh. to the class. And I held it for too long. Anyway, I damaged my wrist and Far I had out. to have surgery on uh-huh. it like earlier this year. Yeah, but I think it's getting better. That's good. Yeah. So just watch out for yourself. Yeah, it's really... I know. I know when I need to stop. Anyway, um, so yeah, yoga, which is something I did yesterday morning. I try to do it at least like every second day, like half an nice. hour in the morning, and then um, you know, putting up all the notes for the podcast. Then I went out for a climb around midday because that's when the climbing center opens. I don't know why they open at midday. They could have just opened it earlier. Mm. Anyway, mm. so I did an hour of climbing and then. Came home, do all the you know usual mum's stuff, chores, clean the house, pick up the kids. And unpaid. Yeah, unpaid. Yeah, yeah. Go and read Invisible Woman. <laughs> um, and in the afternoon, I was just thinking, oh, should I take the dogs out for a walk since it's not raining? Yeah, might as well because they're becoming a bit restless. So yeah. went out for a walk. It's like another forty-five minutes, and came home, make dinner, uh, have dinner. Thankfully, like my my older kid Luke and my husband he, they will help you know so well why do I even say thankfully you know this is something they're supposed to do anyway um uh afterwards uh I, I don't really do much after dinner because you know the cleaning up is basically mm. the boys they will do them anyhow when I hit the bed around eight o'clock I was thinking that there's a new season out of one of the animation I really like I was thinking okay should I stay up and wait for Sean, like my husband, to finish his shower and then we can watch it together. Yeah. And I thought, I really want to watch it. And he said, okay, yeah. just wait for me. Uh-huh. And I sat on the bed and was just like scrolling through my phone, social media, all the shit, <laughs> time-wasting things that you yeah. do. And then... Well, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you anyway. don't, you don't. You hate social media. And then uh, when he came out of the shower, we set up our laptop, uh, start watching and then... My dog start um, barking. Patty, he was barking at nine thirty. Usually he will in the evening. Yeah, in the evening. Usually he freaky. will kind of whinge at around t- yeah. around ten p.m. because that's the time that we take him out to do the last like toilet for the day. Yeah. you know, and then he comes back to yeah. sleep. So he was barking at nine thirty. I got Sean to go out to check. He goes, that was about at the time that we finished around like ten fifteen minutes into the animation we were watching. Yeah, and yeah. he went out to check. He goes, okay, then I'll I'll, I'll go and check out Paddington. Why is he barking? And he when by the time that he came back, he told me this morning that I was already asleep. So he just packed mm-hmm. the laptop and then yeah, called for a night. Mm. I was just so tired. Yeah. I thought there was a story behind this. What besides you, you being tired, I thought there was going to be a boogeyman outside <laughs> or something like that. Ugh. I was like, this is great storytelling. Oh, and I was like on the edge of my seat and then nothing. It was just Helen falling asleep. I was just falling asleep. A, a normal so mother getting tired yeah. at the end of the day. It's a reality. Um, <laughs> wait, wait. So what what show were you watching? Uh, the Great Pretender. The one I told you about oh, yeah. a, mo- a couple of months yeah, you're ago. you obsessed with that. Yeah, I'm obsessed yeah. with that. Like everyone should go and watch it. I mean, I know that you don't like animation, but it's so yeah, meaningful. I don't. I don't know why. It's about, yeah, it's right. about like a group yeah. of Kong artists and... Mm. mix of diversity within the in the animation which i think is really good and it's yeah. really funny as well yeah yeah right okay speaking of animation um you know how a few years ago there was an animated movie of uh, van gogh 
Vincent van Gogh. Oh, do you remember that? Is there? Which, yeah. Which, anyway, um, whose production is that? Is that like? Well, I don't know. Okay. Maybe a French production okay. or an English production. Uh-huh. But anyway, um, it was mentioned because um, my a couple of my friends went to Van Gogh live alive, which is like this horrifyingly. Um, Oh, it's so hard for me to say, but it's like a internet age version of a, uh, of experiencing um, the artwork of Vincent Van Gogh. It's mm. showing at the Horton Pavilion in Fox Studios in Moore Park in Sydney. I think I've seen um, it somewhere on the yeah. social media. It's so like a projection they, of yeah, exactly. The exhibition. It's just a projection. Yeah. It's like a forty-five minute uh, PowerPoint slide okay. of like um, a lot of his paintings and his drawings. Uh-huh. And it kind of, 45 minutes takes you through kind of um, his works and his mm-hmm. different stages in his life. Mm-hmm. He was very young when he committed suicide. I totally forgot that he killed himself. Um, everyone just like remembers that he cut off his ear, which is actually contentious because I reckon that Gauguin did it after a fight. But anyway, that's like me going into <laughs> other details. Um, so um, I found it really like... It was such an experience because it made me feel so many things. I hated it, like, mm-hmm. passionately. And I talked about it with my friends afterwards. Um, uh, I hated it because, like, when you go in, the minute you go in um, to this massive hall, um, it, you're surrounded by 27, 28, 29 big screens. Mm-hmm. And all the screens interchange different images of Gauguin's um, paintings mm-hmm. uh, throughout the 45 minutes. So you, like, you go in and you, it just it feels like go, stepping inside the internet where you don't know... Uh, where to place yeah, your eyes because everything is moving digital. and yeah and like the whole point of art for me is that I sit with a work in front of me mm-hmm. and like stare at it yeah. and try and like engage in the tiniest little shades yep. or different strokes mm-hmm. but like this this whole show is a contradiction to that kind of way of seeing mm-hmm. it's like um it's like trying to make really high-end art uh, engaging and approachable and appealing for like 12 year old kid maybe not even 12 like 8 year old kids like mm. it was just like and then also what was so bad about it was the music like they had Bach and Beethoven no I don't think they had any Beethoven they had like Mozart and they had um, Vivaldi kind of really in your face classical standard mm-hmm. pieces of music and French music while this was going on Okay. and I hate it when people combine like music and art because I like to separate the two as in like yeah. when I'm when I hear music, I only want to pay attention to the music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel the same. That's why they never play music in the art gallery. Like, why yeah, would you want to play music in the art gallery? You're supposed to be concentrating on a piece of yeah. art. I know, and, and like not have any other senses yeah. spurred, I think. I mean, you, That's my opinion yeah. anyway. I mean, when you go to the um, orchestra concert, yeah. you don't look at something. <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah, but sometimes they have like movies. Oh, if it's a know, movie, that's a bit different, I back. guess. yeah. yeah. Um, but can you believe, guess how much this cost? Uh, this Gauguin. Oh, sorry, not Gauguin. Um, Van Gogh li- Alive. So it's an experience for what? Do you, Ugh, do you have they a... call it an experience. So you're going for, did you say 45 minutes? 45 minutes, yep. Yeah. It's a 45 minute okay. show. I'm guessing... You're standing there. Okay. Because there were barely any seats. Uh-huh. So most people just stood. Okay. Um, I'm guessing if it's like high end, I'll say around 60 to $70 dollars. Oh my god, are you serious? Jesus. Well, it was $50. Oh yeah, it's still very expensive. It's so ridiculous. I cannot believe I paid $50 for a PowerPoint presentation. Crazy. Anyway, so um, I saw that on Tuesday night and I was thinking since then I've been really obsessed with like Gauguin and um, Van Gogh's relationship Uh because they were in Arles um, together for like nine weeks Mm -hmm. painting. And I think like I would like to go... I would like to read more into this, but um, apparently they had like a really close, they call it, uh, our critics call it um, super friendships, quote unquote, um, where they like painted together and talked together and they lived together. And mm-hmm. supposedly um, they had an argument, Gauguin and Van Gogh, um, one night where uh, it culminated in Van Gogh slicing his left ear off. Oh, okay. Um yeah, it's an infamous story, but I don't know. I feel like the more I read into Gauguin, who like fascinates me endlessly because he was such a he was like egregious person, and he's like lauded, you know, his paintings are lauded throughout the Western world. Um, I'm beginning to think maybe Gauguin had done it because Gauguin apparently was very violent to his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. 
Yeah, for all you guys who don't know Gauguin, Paul Gauguin was that guy who, like, at the age of 42 or something, he left his wife, abandoned them, basically, and his five children in France. Or maybe it was Nether- Netherlands. I think he left them in France. And um, and then he sailed to Hatahiri, where he, like, had sex with 13-year-old girls and then married them and painted them. I'm sure you guys have seen his paintings. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't if you haven't just like check him out. So in co- check it out. I mean okay. So in contemporary days, Gauguin was having like a midlife so called quote so called um midlife crisis for middle aged white men. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and then like going on like a pedophilic sex spree, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, in someone else's country. Uh, he was a white dude in Polynesia. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I I feel uh, I told Helen actually this week that I wanted to do an entire podcast yeah, on, this on the art episode yeah because it's it's just such a contentious issue mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah we we will be doing it I think we have so many topics ideas that came up the last seven days yeah, in the last couple of <laughs> we days we should do yeah, extra episodes <laughs> yeah every week. it's really interesting yeah yeah and I can't stop I've been reading a lot I think I've went through three or four books this week I have. Um, I'm in the middle mm-hmm. of speaking of white men. Um, I'm in the middle of Ijoma Ilu's Ulu's um second book called Mediocre: The Dangerous Legacy of White Male Power. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's the woman who she's the Nigerian American author journalist who wrote. So you want to talk about race? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it's really really interesting in the way that this book um kind of it just really provides a very good broad um summary of how white men have managed to penetrate every single position of power throughout society mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's, it's kind of like a book i wish i read when i was 12 <laughs> it's sad that we need to read this kind of book to make us like everyone or the whole society to to see or everyone will yeah. just be in denial saying that, no, it's exactly. not happening. Yeah. It's the same with yeah. Invisible Woman, you know. We need to have books like um, Invisible Woman to have the actual yeah. scientific data to know that there is a gap. There is a fucking yeah. gap between male and female. And it's not down to biological. It's very, very socially yeah. constructed to penalise women in the society. Yeah, it's the yeah. same thing with white male mm-hmm. power. It's all in the design. That's what she keeps. That's what Ulu, um, the author of Mediocre, keeps reiterating. It's like the structures and the designs and the historical infrastructures have all been like um, structured in a way that discriminates anyone who's not male mm-hmm. or anyone who's not white. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're trying to say is like it's frustrating that we have to have these books because like otherwise people are just like don't believe us maybe i don't know i feel like either don't believe us or they think Mm. that it's just normal there's nothing wrong with it oh god how could you not think there's anything wrong with the fact that the people who think that it's not normal is usually the people who are already privileged and entitled and there's nothing wrong with their life and they don't feel or they don't have empathy for others to feel such way yeah 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 Hmm. exactly Anything else before we jump into our main topic today? Um, I think uh, I think that's that's all I wanted to say. Um, I don't remember doing anything else that was like out of the blue this mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. How about you? Oh, I've been just listening to a lot of podcasts in the last two days. I think mean, when I'm mm. doing my chores, I like to listen to podcasts. And you sent me the one uh, from New. Was it the Daily from New- the New York yeah, Times? I've- I'm almost finished yeah. that one, and that is just so dark. Yeah, Will Hilton. <laughs> it's just oh, so dark. God. Yeah, it's an incredible. So um, we're gonna link it in the show notes. Yeah. It's Which an we'll incredible do a part about it as well. I think. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, memoiristic, uh, personal essay by Will Hilton, Will S. Hilton, who is an American white male journalist who wrote about uh, his relationship to his cousin mm-hmm. and the sort of ways in which his male cousin, his cousin. Yeah, his male cousin kind of taught him what um, masculinity meant and how that drove him through a life of destruction and despair and, like, self-mutilated emotionality. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's an extraordinary piece of writing. I actually found myself, towards the end, wanting to reach out to Will and, like, saying, hey, um, I loved your piece. I think we should have more men writing as vulnerably as you have mm-hmm. about masculinity yeah. in today's society. But then I stopped myself because I thought... This is exactly how 
white male worship happens. Mm. Like, I felt the need to go and praise him for something that he did. Um, and, like, I'm like, why do I need to do that? Like, uh, he's probably so used to the, all that attention. He doesn't mm-hmm. need another Yeah, if you get published telling through him. the daily, geez. The attention that yeah, you get. Yeah, I, I just felt like... Um, I just stopped myself because I realized that um, this, my need to feel like I wanted to reach out to him to congratulate him was a symptom of his white male privilege. And I just stopped myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I was actually thinking um, perhaps next year, 2021, my goal would literally be to stop myself from reading. Like, really, like, I know publicly I have said that I will never read every time white male author. <laughs> Um, like a novel, a white male author novelist. Um, but maybe like in 2021, I'm going to go to the extreme and decide to not read anything written by a white male, like across every single genre. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder how my world view will shape, will be changed and yeah, shaped by you that. Should, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I was thinking like after the Van Gogh, um, exhi- not, it's not even an exhibition, that Van Gogh horrible experience on Tuesday night, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I want to read more into it, but I also only want to read female art historians and yeah, critics because yeah. like, I only want their perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be very different, I think. I mean, that's what I've been doing the past 12 months or so. I'm trying to avoid reading any... I don't think I've read that much of the white male works. I mean, even mm. into now, you know, I'm reading mm. three books in rotation. Um, mm. one of them is Chinese, the other one is Vietnamese, Australian, and the other one, you know, Invisible Woman. So mm. I think it's very important to read the um, just the voices. You know, you need to listen to the voices yeah, exactly. that's not been always been the mainstream. Which at this point yeah. is that we wanted to do a shout out to Amplified Bookstore. Books. Yeah. yeah. So. So what is it, Helen? Um, Tell us. I've. Uh, came across with this bookstore. Well, I think the one of the owner. Sorry, I can't remember your name. That she shared uh, the link of a bookstore on one of the Facebook page. So it's two ladies who runs an online bookstore called Amplify Bookstore. They only, I believe, they only sell books that are by authors of Black, Indigenous, and people of color. So mm-hmm. it's the type of work that we should be talking about more. You know, that's why we need to be, you know, amplify their voices to be heard rather than, I don't know, the, the compared to a lot of white writers that they get super duper, extremely uh, amount of times of attention, the media on them. Yeah. Whereas yeah. compared to, you know, um, black, indigenous and people of colors, writers don't get. Yeah. 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 So um, there are two women who look like they're in their 20s. They're super young. It's a mm. woman called Marina um, who grew up in Melbourne and she's now living in... Mel- Sorry, she grew up in Singapore. She's now living in Melbourne. And then also Xuan, uh, who also grew up in Singapore and I believe she's still currently there. But, um, yeah, really awesome girls... Sorry, women, who uh, you should pop onto their website and, like, start buying your books through them because I think it's a great initiative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to support people who's you know doing this kind of um what do you call it like this kind of movement yeah essentially yeah, yeah. i mean we spoke about we want to start like a feminist bookshop yeah like the, like one the ones in taipei. taipei yeah what's the one in taipei yeah. called feminine feminine uh, new yeah is this called fanbooks fanbooks Fem- yeah fanbooks yeah awesome okay so so let's take let's a break before take a break we yeah come back break. to talk about our topic for today which is what helen inter <laughs> sorry i just gotta start again interracial intercultural relationships <laughs> oh that's really fleshy super fleshy okay we'll come back and uh talk about it Hi guys, we're back. Uh, Helen, why did you want to talk about this massive topic? Oh, is it massive? I feel like it's I think huge. it's very... Oh, it is huge at the same time. I think some people that I've spoke to about doesn't think that it's such an important or relative um, topic. It's so, yeah, so anyway, It's like the way... It's, <laughs> it's like the way the whole world is... Const- like white supremacy. 
that's yeah, I feel like yeah. that's the it way does it does it have operates. a relationship like a lot to, of people yeah. like I was reading some some Australian history book that said like um the colonialists you know one of the tactics for erasing an entire culture of people of humans was to like fuck the women and so like oh, the yeah, women would like yeah. slowly become more white so uh-huh. like there's there's yeah. nothing more political than who you fuck seriously uh-huh, uh-huh. there is nothing more yeah. political than who you fuck and who you love well if you want to look at that from that perspective yeah it is true so the reason i want to like i i haven't thought about that deep when i first it, when i initially thought about this topic um it's basically you know because i'm in uh, interculture racial relationship myself and a lot of my friends around me have similar um relationships and i believe that some of our listeners are in you know this 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 kind of relationship as well so I want to like kind of explore and talk about the social construct and perhaps you know share some personal experience and the journey that I've been going through and also I've actually set up a poll on one of my Facebook page and ask um, the members in there if they are in the interracial culture relationship you know what sort of obstacles and challenges they had um not so much as political but i've um i've kind of framed this topic around um the social and more individual level yeah so if we want to start i think uh, we start with the um, u.s the historic data of interracial marriage you know the mm. most well-known way is the loving versus virginia in 1967 which was a landmark civil rights decision of the u.s supreme court in which the court ruled that the laws banning interracial marriage violate the equal protection and due protest clauses of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Um, I think there's a film about this story, which is produced in 2016. Yes, that's right. It's called Loving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's such a... I haven't seen it, but they look like such beautiful people in the film. Like Ruth Nega Nega, um, plays Mm -hmm. the woman, and she's stunning. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so according to ABC's article, which was published earlier this year, um, I didn't know that the number is so high. Apparently, one in three registered marriages are now interracial. This was recorded in 2018. Mm. So, I don't know about that. So, this is in Australia? Yeah, Australia. So, around 32% of registered marriages were of partners born in different countries compared to 18% back in 2006. Yeah, but born in different countries and different races are totally different things. Like, you could be born in America. One one person could be born in America and the other from the UK, but they're oh, both yeah, fucking white. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, it's like, white. interracial yeah, and that's true. international is two yeah. completely different things. So yeah, I haven't thought about that's that. A weird, that's a weird mix-up of what whoever wrote that yeah. article. It's definitely not well, one anyway. in marriages. Because like, when I walk around, most couples are the uh-huh. same race. Don't you see yeah, that? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when when you ask them that if they're from the same country, they'll say, "Oh no, I'm from UK or I was born here." Right. Yeah, yeah. that's not that's not exactly an interracial no, relationship, wouldn't it? Because Obviously it's not. all white. Yeah. They're all birds white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so some of the online articles uh came up with the challenges you may face. We're talking about is the the interracial and intercultural um couples with really really different backgrounds say like, for example one's black one's white yeah one's, yeah yeah, or yeah. Asian i wonder i just wanted to say um there are also a lot of people who pass as one particular race and they're actually not of that like as in they don't like they can like pass white. as white like for instance um, i'm thinking of brooke boney who like if you saw her you just think she's white but she's actually indigenous like heaps of indigenous okay. people uh-huh. can pass as white that's a white yeah yeah, yeah true Okay, so the online articles, the um, couple of things that they say, that challenges that you may face. Uh, for example, derogatory comments in public, loss of contact with friends or family, uh, negative comments online or in media, negative stereotyping, open hostility and intimidation, rejection from family or being disinherited, a sense of isolation, stares, insults, and people who whispers around you i think it's more external yeah um from my memory i think it's only once or twice in australia but it happened more when we were in taiwan oh what happened Uh, so helen and sean went to taiwan i think a year after they got married yeah we were we were working in taiwan for a year and when we were going out 
um, I remember there was once that we were at Tang Hall and Sean was wearing a new, yeah, in Sydney. And Sean was wearing a a pink uh, collared shirt that I bought for him. Mm. That was at the time that he's trying, he was still not comfortable with pink, the color. Oh, I, I don't know why I, I, I bought anyway, him. Yeah. I don't know why I bought him that t-shirt. Uh, not t-shirt, sorry. It was just a, like a normal collar shirt. Mm. Um, so I bought it for him and he wore it on that day um, when we went out for a date. And then there was a, a, a guy, seems a bit like homeless, but he wasn't, I don't think he was himself. So I didn't think that it was that serious you know mm. just some people making silly remarks when you walk by well, what did he say and you know that he wasn't himself um i think he called out something like oh asian slut with a white dude oh my god yeah That's disgusting. and i just shrugged my shoulders and i just want to walk by and sean was really really pissed off mm. he was just turned around he, he yelled at that guy like oh what did you say oh, and the guy god. just ran away <sighs> like what can you do well like i would just walk away I would like not I want walk, my partner yeah, to would... fight or call back or just don't don't bite into whatever they feed you. Yeah, like, I never I want to be. Yeah, with... that, I didn't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. So when we were in Taiwan, there were not so much as the um, direct insults, but they were little. You can see people just stare because we were in a very rural area. We were working in a very rural, like fishing pot. Mm. So it was a place that they had like maybe one or two foreigners that visit the the um the town for six months period of time because they were there to teach English. So people just openly stare at you. <laughs> I yeah, didn't right. I, I just thought that okay, yeah, whatever. But Sean felt really, really extremely well, I uncomfortable. I think maybe because they were staring at your husband because your husband's like what, six foot four? And like yeah, he's really tall. large. He's also yeah, very he's physically bulky. large. And, you know, a lot yeah. of those people have never seen a foreigner, a white yeah. person. So, like, maybe they were just staring at him. I remember uh, the, um, I think it was into like a couple of months into our work in Taiwan. One day we were on a bus. We were just, it was just in a very packed bus with a lot of uni students because we're going to the center of the city to do some training, English teaching training. And there was, I don't know if I mentioned, I don't want to repeat myself. I don't know if I mentioned it on a podcast before, but there was a uni girl that approached me because mm. she said that, oh, uh, so you're with a foreigner. And I said, yes. And then she said, okay, so you must know a foreign language. That's what she, she was speaking Mandarin to me. Mm. And I said, oh yeah, I speak English. Mm-hmm. And then she turns around and said that, she turned around and talked to her friend and saying that, Oh yeah, this lady said that she knows foreign language. But I was telling you that I was I only know English and Mandarin, mm. and she was assuming that I know all the foreign languages. I don't I right. don't know what was in her mind, and yeah. because she's saying that there was a Japanese old guy who was on the bus as well, and mm. he's kind of lost, but no oh, one can okay. talk to him. Right. So they assumed yeah. you know knew Japanese as well. Yeah, yeah she which actually Helen, Japanese. you do, don't you? I, I do a, a little, little bit, bit. Very very yeah. basic. Yeah, so we end up helping the the Japanese old gentleman, but it's kind of like you have to use your sign language yeah, asking him. And also it's good because we have like common uh, Chinese characters. We, he, yeah. he wrote down where he want to go yeah. and kind of ask around for him. Um, I think we were, be, or at least I was being assumed that because I'm more international, because mm. I was with a, like Far a white dude. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like this is going to be a very sticky and it might come across as judgmental question. Do you feel like being with your tall white husband has ever made you feel like you're, you, do you ever feel more powerful? Like as in you have more sense of what, as in like you have more social clout, like you can walk into a bar with your husband and feel like. I have to be honest, at mm. the beginning, yes, when yeah. we would start going out. Yeah. Because we were going to the places, um, I mean, Jesse knows this, our listeners didn't know. Um, our listeners doesn't know that I only went out with Asian guys before I met my husband. Okay, I didn't so know So there is... Wait, I didn't know I you went out with anyone. Know. I didn't know you... I thought oh, Sean was okay. your first boyfriend. <laughs> no! <laughs> okay, Helen leads a secret life, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I never hang around with a family. Yeah, you were the black sheep, man. Black dog. Yeah. Black whatever. Let's uh. not be racist here. Sorry. So there were a lot of places I never went. Like, for example, pub <laughs> clubs. Why? And a lot of white restaurants and cafes. Yeah. Like, before meeting my husband, Sean, this is when we were going out, okay? Before that. I've only like I've only dated Asian guys, and the places that we went to would be very Asian as right. well. Okay, yeah, Chinatown. Like, oh, Chinatown, Sussex Street, bro. And you, Fucking love and also, Sussex you know, Street. Eastwood, Chatswood. Oh, so it's yeah, Capanada, <laughs> Epping. So Fucking we will only probably places. eat at the very Asian, yeah, Asian places. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So I've only encountered, say, like cafes. Or we start really going out to Starbucks to those kind of places yeah, you guys is when I started. Yeah, started when I was starting to going out going to uni. I I do feel like there's a kind of the confidence when I was within that I know that oh no one's gonna look down on me because I'm I with was a with dude. a white dude and yeah. he's tall. I think we should. Yeah, really, he's tall. I think that's a massive thing that people don't actually ever mention. That is like super important. The fact that. If you're with a white guy, if he's tall, like even any guy, if he's tall, there's so for a woman that is there's so much social clout um, embedded in that. I mean, I'm not saying I mm -hmm. like that. I don't like that at all. I'm just like laying it out. I'm laying out the reality that you know, if mm. to be with a really tall man buys you so yeah. much social credit, and I don't know why. Like I obviously know why, and I think listeners probably can deduce themselves why. But like we have this obsession in. Every country in because the world, there's I the think, with, yeah, with tall people, with tall men. Yeah. Sorry, I should say, not tall women, tall men. And it's it's just it it's seems really like the tallness of a man. You put an equal sign towards a lot of things, like wealth, tallness equals status, wealth. Tallness, yeah, exactly. To a lot of shit. Power, yeah. um, comfort, yeah. safety. It's just uh, yeah, sense of safety or like um, the f sense that maybe they will protect you. You know, mm, mm. Um, I know when I dated my um, ex and like. It's so funny when I hear about the different experiences you and I both have because, like, I have never, mm -hmm. I've like dated two Asian guys out of like a gazillion, <laughs> um, and one <laughs> one of them was like not Asian passing. Like he looked like um, he looked white. He was Filipino, but he looked white. Mm -hmm. And another one was Asian, mm -hmm. Asian, and I dated him for like two weeks. And I was so I, I I'm not proud of that <laughs> relationship. Weeks, dude, I, I, I'm not proud of how I dealt with that man because he was super kind to me but i just wasn't mm -hmm. like i was so awkward i think it was i was in my like early late uh, early to mid 20s anyway um but uh, yeah other than that i've only ever dated white guys and um one guy i dated um i went to taiwan with him a few years ago i told you about that um, yes yeah and like i remember you a lot of things yeah but like i remember um i don't think i remember because you had told me when you went back to Taiwan that you had, like, people stare at you guys. So I had anticipated um, me uh -huh. and that guy I was with um, getting kind of weird looks. But, like, we were only in Taipei where there are a lot of foreigners. And um, so we didn't get any weird looks or anything. And also the guy I was dating uh -huh. was, like, uh, like Sean, super tall, super muscular, like, goes to the gym. Like, he just, like, looked really beefy and like strong and um people didn't bat an eyelid when they walked past us like nobody turned their heads he was just like another foreigner um in taipei and there are a lot of foreigners in taipei i just have to say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think the difference is that because you went in the last did you did you went in like two years ago oh uh, yeah i went in 2018 yeah. whereas i was i was there yeah where i whereas i was in taiwan like 20 2004 I think so right, that's more yeah. than 10 like 15 16 years ago yeah, yeah yeah so I guess the period of time is different yeah it has changed so much yeah. hey yeah yeah it has but I have to um, say yeah just this whole like power trip thing it's like I, I've just it reminds me of um that New York Times modern love piece by a guy ah uh, yes yeah um Andrew someone or other um he yeah please do tell us <laughs> yeah well he wrote a piece about how he went on this really long date it's actually a really it's like it's not like the best piece of writing ever but like it was very cleverly done in that he talks about going on a date with a woman and for nine hours they talk they get along 
And only like after midway through do we find out that he's Asian and she's also Asian, which I thought mm-hmm. was like such a revelation in the in the way that he kind of um, just approached that subject so quickly and it turned everything because at the end of the day, the girl says to him, oh, um, this is weird, but I just want to tell you, you're the first Asian guy I've ever went on a date with. And, mm-hmm. and it turned out that she was Asian as well. And I was like, my first response yeah. was like, what a fucking racist bitch. And then mm. I realized that I'm also a fucking. You're the one. Bitch. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like this woman. Um, yeah. And um, anyway, they it's a beautiful story because they ended up marrying. Marrying, yeah. It's so sweet. Um, but they they also um in the podcast of Modern Love they um they interviewed um I think I believe her name was Sarah Sarah and Andrew mm-hmm. they interviewed the yeah. two and they talked about how they talked through this idea of like because Andrew grew up in the west coast of the US where there's like a lot of Asians there's an Asian mm-hmm. high percentage of population from Asian countries um who have been there for generations and so like it's normal um to be an Asian whereas like Sarah grew up I don't know maybe on the in east. a very white white yeah, dominant I don't know somewhere outside of the west yeah where she yeah. was like very different and she tried to hide her Asianness. Um, mm-hmm. And I was very much like Sarah. I found myself relating to Sarah. Um, where like that's Sarah, where, where, yeah. yeah, that's where we, it comes in that we are very different. But like as you and you I and both me. grew up in Telopia. Yeah, but as in your social group. As in your social yeah. group are usually mostly white, whereas mine are predominantly Asian, I think. Mm. So I'm, I don't know. I mean, within the modern, like the that episode on modern love, I think Sarah mentioned that um, she is not proud of her Asian background and she's yeah. always been trying to hide it. Yeah, yeah. And whereas Andrew, that he's always, he's already, he's always very upfront about yeah. it. You know, yeah. I'm Asian, yeah, whatever, you yeah. know, this is me, you know. But at the same time, I feel like it's very, it's very complicated in the Sarah's situation because I think she mentioned that she goes to Chinese school on Saturday as well. Yeah, yeah. So which means that up. she would have, would have been hang around with other Asians. Mm. So that kind of made me think that why does she feel like she's been ostracized or perhaps that there was a particular, you know, um, experience at school or in her social circle that she had been bullied because she's she's Asian. You yeah. know, it does happen with a lot yeah. of kids that yeah. we know. You know, um, one incident and you'll probably totally turn against your own identity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um it, when I heard that story about Andrew, I made me really regret the fact that I never grew up in the west coast of the US. I feel like if I had like <laughs> heaps of Asians around me when I was growing up and it was such a cruel proud thing to be it yeah, I wouldn't have such a fucked up relationship with my Asian identity and like my conflicting fucked up emotions and dilemmas about whiteness and wanting to be with a white man. I hate that. I really make really me, yeah. I hate, I hate. But that it's all I still... about choice, I think. Well, I, I, I really know. think he's done to because you went to a very Asian predominant high school, didn't you? Um, I don't know. It wouldn't have been fifty percent. It wouldn't have okay, been up to fifty percent. Maybe like twenty okay. percent Asian, which is quite high, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. Or maybe fifteen, twenty fifteen. Yeah, I guess that's kind of high, but um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I still don't know really how to feel about like, you know. Um, I mean, there are so mm. many racist, like, like I said before, like who you fuck and who you have a relationship with is so political, and I don't know how to separate mm. the two conundrums mm-hmm. that I feel about, you know, like destroying white supremacy, but also feeling like I'm really deeply attracted to attracted, yeah. to white men and wanting to give them uh-huh. my emotional labor, which is free, you know, and my love, what? which is free. Uh-huh. Love is free. Like the, the reason why the world is dominated by men is because men have had like 2000 years of free love, i.e. support and child rearing and household unpaid, chores every unpaid yeah by, amazing thing you know, yeah, by done woman. by a woman like he has yeah. had a wife he mm. has had a wife mm. that's why the world is run by men because men yeah. have had slaves basically yeah yeah so anyway i go <laughs> back to the facebook poll that i did in one of the group so i had the selections of a, top, a couple of elements and i asked them asked the members to um 
pick their top three challenges within their relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I have those things. Let me just pull them out. So the issues are this, okay? Cultural differences, uh, differences in uh, money, don't have uh, common upbringings, mm. differences in food, uh, differences in ideas of family value, language differences, uh, having different type of living standard mm. and there were a couple more but there's not there were not much people who chose that um comedy people don't get the co- they don't have a co- like a common humorous idea you know sometimes the, yeah. the comedy of japanese and comedy of yeah, the west yeah. is very different and, and it's so important um, to be with someone who has the same shared sense of humor as you i think that's so exactly important. yeah that's very important uh, yeah a lot of uh the members have said that um because they were we, we got to understand that um they will be asians that came to or arrived in the western country after they become an adult Say, yeah. for example, like the women who did this survey is predominantly the ones that have finished their um, schooling or finished mm. their tertiary education and then came to Australia to do backpacking or they met someone in Taiwan when they were adult and they married to an Australian and they came to live in Australia. So a lot of differences of upbringing that they can, it's very hard for them initially for them to feel like they cannot assimilate into the Australian type of relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of women saying that um, perhaps the cultural differences is the most uh, biggest challenges for them and also the uncommon upbringings, like what you said about uh, memories of, um, say, pop cultures are very different. If your husband's talking about... um, what David Bowie? Oh, not David Bowie is too old. David Bowie is what I listen to. I don't know what other nineties, you know, Backstreet Boys or who doesn't listen to the Backstreet Boys? Yeah. Come on, if you but don't if listen you're... to the Backstreet Boys, you're yeah. not cool. But if you're being raised in Asia, whereas oh, I think Backstreet Boy was very popular in Asia anyway. I can't, yeah. I can't think of any Western. I know what you mean. Like musician, yeah, yeah, yeah. will be very different because they they grew up listening to. Uh, Jeru and Jeju or yeah. Wang Fei or a lot yeah, of Taiwanese singers. I feel like it, that's a matter of taste, though. Like I've been thinking this about yeah, it a lot. Like that's true. How well. important yeah. it is to have the same tastes as your partner? Mm-hmm. Because like I yeah. feel like it is important because um, I mean you obviously don't have to have exactly the same overlapping tastes, but a similar taste so that similar. you can because like you love something and you want to share it with someone and you want them to love it as well. If you don't love the same things, how do you yeah. get along, you know? Like if you don't that's take a, joy yeah, in the difficult. same things, yeah. then it's hard to feel joyous with your partner, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, do you and yeah. Sean have similar tastes? Um <laughs> My hesitation is gone so long. I think we listened to Steen when we first going out. Right, I Steve, know. I think right. he knows that he. I like the police, and I'm very old schooled. Yeah, you are. I love your tastes. I'm, I think it's really I'm very cool. old school. I'm. I'm like, not the same as you. Like I, our tastes in music are very different, but yeah, I like your yeah. tastes. Like I think they're great. I mean, I listen to Dave. I mean, I like a lot of British, you know, music, and mm. I listen to David Bowie and Sting, The Police. Mm. Uh, Sean first heard that I like the police. He's like, what the hell? That's what that's. The- that's something that my parents listen to. Yeah, see? Like, I feel like anyone who has good taste is basically anyone who listens to things that came before them, like, before their generation. So, like, any for mm. me, anyone who listens, like, you know, modern pop, like, Dua Lipa is, like, ugh. Just kidding. I actually like her. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. Uh, the, well, I, and, and movies I think I just well, like to right? listen to very yeah. old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, some people also mentioned that the cultural differences will be like, uh, for example, a very typical ones that Asians don't go into um, their house with their shoes. Oh, is that important? When, is that a? I guess that's a massive thing for some people. Hey, when when you start living together, yeah, I guess maybe that as a couple, becomes, yeah. yeah. I can't. Yeah, and... I, I wear my shoes everywhere in the house, which is like it feels so good because like it was so strictly of forbidden. Like I feel in like our, my. I swear, house. yeah. My like for instance, I was just telling a friend the other day. Like I drag my feet when I walk, like really loudly. Oh, and I that's so bad. It's so stupid because it's like it feels so good because when I was younger, my whole life, my dad was like, "Don't drag your feet, don't drag your feet." Like he would always uh-huh, pick me up on yeah, it. Yeah. And then 
I feel like now, in, like, it's, it seems a bit, like, stupid, but, like, my whole adult life since moving out has been, like, doing things that I want to do that they never made, they, they, like, forbade, like, like, having very messy hair or, like, unbrushed hair mm-hmm. and, like, unmatching mm-hmm. socks. Like, I cannot ever, I never leave the house with a matching pair of socks. And that's not deliberate. It's literally <laughs> because I cannot get my shit together and my socks are always, like, one pair, one, one sock out of a pair is always fucking missing. Or, like, always Aww. lost somewhere. Seriously, it's just me and my little quirk. <laughs> but, like, on Sunday morning, um, I went to um, meet my brother at his place and my parents uh-huh. also because we were driving down to Nanten Temple in Wollongong. Yeah. And the moment I arrived in the morning, um, my um, my mum was, like, she saw my unmatched socks and she's like, go change that. Like, go get <laughs> a, a pair from your brother's closet. Like, you can't go into the temple wearing unmatched socks and then yeah my... because you have to go into like a, the hall without shoes yeah exactly so yeah but like what's wrong with unmatched socks there's nothing yeah wrong with i know that. if it's they're, if they're clean they're fine yeah and um well i guess mum was just concerned about my um appearance your visual and then my appearance. dad right after my dad was like your hair is messy go tie it up like it's just, i'm like <laughs> dudes i'm thir- like i'm in my 30s and i'm still getting like like told off by my parents about my appearance i was like oh god (laughs) but that's just a constant thing that our parents will always do i don't know it's just a i think it's bad i definitely think it's bad and i try not to do it with my kids (laughs) yeah but um another two issues that i want to bring up is that the challenges that interracial intercultural um couples will face is one is about money on money value and also differences in food taste. Right. Um, a lot of women comment that because they grew up, you know, I think a lot of Westerners or white people, they don't eat, uh, they cannot accept the food like what we eat in Taiwan. Mm. For example, stinky tofu, mm. um, a lot of, what's the English word? Neizang, the what's, organs. Oh, right, awful. Yeah, offals, yeah. Um, and there's uh, particularly there's certain foods that with very very strange textures to them, like oajian, yeah. you know the I love oyster omelette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the and best. they say it tastes like snot. Oh my god! Oh really? <laughs> I've had I've had you know, like white dude telling me that oh it looks like snot oh when we god. were in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's probably the um, one of the issue, and the other one is uh, values about money. You know. Um, because I actually talked about this with my husband, Sean. He said that uh, because Western nations introduced credits and loans yeah. Yeah. from the bank earlier yeah. than a lot of Asian countries. Mm. So perhaps this is the reason that a lot of Westerners, they don't have the idea of saving. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And whereas most Asians, because we're more thrifty because we know there's always... Yeah. We don't like to carry debt. Yeah, we know. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. We always want to like just, just pay saving. Yeah, yeah exactly. just pay it off. Yeah. And saving is more. It's like a safety net. Like if yeah. you have some money with you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. But it's also like a lot of Asian countries. They don't have, you know, better, um, the welfare system. Like mm. a lot of yeah, like say Scandinavian or, yeah. Yeah, our parents are like thrifty to the nth degree. Like I have never met more thrifty parents. Like my mom is like who's like just stunning she's so beautiful she still looks like a hollywood star at like 64 or 63 um, <laughs> she has only ever bought kmart shoes because like she just doesn't think that she she just doesn't think it's worth spending more than 30 dollars on a pair of shoes yeah yeah it's crazy or if she goes to taiwan yeah. she'll say that i don't bought this yeah from the, from the um, tai chi yeah 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 the night markets <laughs> the market, yeah, yeah yeah for like 10 five five dollars <laughs> like eat by quiet taiwan taiwan yeah i or something yeah um yeah yeah everything she buys is like under ten dollars and everything she wears looks like chanel and then my dad like is still wearing <laughs> the clothes that my brother and i wore when we were teenagers <laughs> Seriously, like the other day, my parents, we have a um, group chat on on text through text and like a family group chat. And the other day, my parents celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary, which yeah. was like, wow, crazy. Um, 40 years being married to one person. I'm very <laughs> special, obviously, and beautiful. Um, and my mom took a picture of my dad sitting on the side of the 
beach on a stone cliff or something and my dad was wearing the baseball cap <laughs> that I wore when I was eight years old. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So, like, dad just... My parents never throw anything out. They're just, like, super thrifty. They um, hoard stuff as well. Yeah, Which yeah. is really bad, I think. Mm. Like, there's something, there's something about Asian elderlies. Well, I, I don't want to use the word elderly. Just general Asians. Yeah. Or the like, the older generations that have something about um, not being able to let things go. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and you get that because have their parents. It. Well, you understand it because their parents starved. Like our grandparents yeah, that's true. starved. Yeah. So I think that's the differences between like Asian and Western cultures. Uh, well, one of the differences because you know we, or at least our grandparents and great grandparents had went through the generations of war, famine, and things like that. Mm. And whereas a lot of more privileged um, families possibly didn't went through that kind of, um, you know, experience. Yeah. I think it depends what class you're from, obviously. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There are a yeah. lot of white people that out there who, you know, whose grandparents were also at the war, in the war and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the family background, like you said, the social, the social um, class, family background is very uh make makes a lot of differences as well you know it really reflects on it also reflects on um how you show each other affection within the relationship yeah i mean for me but because watching our parents as a couple growing you're up you're so not affectionate like yeah, every time i I'm, see helen I'm and sean so, together, it's I'm like so fucked. it's like hell sean is like hugging helen like, hugging and, like, me and like stiff yeah, helen just like faces <laughs> up and doesn't like whereas me it's so funny that you say that because whereas i am like completely like i get my hands all over people when i when i go home and like all my family gather you like helen you would know this like i'm always like yeah, touching people no, and like not like sexually, obviously, but I just I love holding. You're people. always grabbing all the kids. Yeah, and I'm like crazy about the kids. Like, yeah, I um and like in when I'm in a romantic relationship, I love to be physical. Mm. Like, not it's not even a sexual thing. Like, yeah. I just love to be touched and to touch other people because, um, my mother, my father was more affectionate, but our mother was like completely like, don't get your hand on yeah. me. Like you have. I know. Hands. I my think I picked just, up from yeah. her. It's so bad. My mom, our mom, just does not like anyone touching her, at all. Especially like our mother hair. is very OCD, OCD oh about hygiene. Yeah. And, like her standard of appearance, like, um, you know, the, is very high. Yeah. It's just very high. Yeah. yeah. And everything around. <laughs> so you yeah. So you're saying um yeah. So she she. I don't keeps, want to like, become like. <laughs> yeah yeah. The um the the couch obviously at my parents' place is still glad wrapped in like twenty layers of glad wrap. <laughs> um. So no, so, not so much as glad wrap, but Dad will always say that do not sit on sit that because yeah because yeah, that's, yeah, that's your mum's seat. Yeah yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. So you're saying like the the you know the whole five languages of love that some white person came up with, um, yeah. So you're duh, saying that that course. is like um, different across culture. Yeah, I guess I think it's very different yeah. across culture. See, I, for us, it's yeah, like totally the way our parents yeah. brought us up. The only way that they showed us their love was through um, food, food, and like actually giving not, us stuff. Yeah, well, like not <laughs> not having us starve, basically. You know, yeah. like mum driving us to school every day. <laughs> Me and mm-hmm. that's like a sign yeah, of minimum. love. <laughs> that's what you think. Um, that's just a different language of love. Um, whereas mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I love to buy people gifts that I love, who I love. I love to mm-hmm. like touch them. I love to say I love you. Like I'm such a verbal person. I love to write letters. Like I'm just like an excessively yeah. expressive person, which is good. I know. Yeah. yeah, I just have to find someone to like yeah. give it to. <laughs> but with Asians, I think it's so hard. Like everyone, like most Asians, I know they bottle up a lot mm. within their relationship, you know, and mm. the communication is not as well. You know, we see our parents, they hardly talk about or express their love to each other. No, yeah. They've never it's... said I love you to each other. I think my mom yeah. said that she has written it in a letter once to my dad. Yeah. Yeah, but my dad... I think my I think our mom is more expressive in writing. Yeah, yeah. But our dad is just <laughs> what's going oh through their God. minds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally like vapid. <laughs> just no, yeah. He is the like quintessential mid-century guy, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <God. sighs> okay, so. The tips for interracial, intercultural relationship. This is not written by me, but by a lady who's a Lebanese, married to a Pakistani guy. 
she say that stay true to your own identity, which I think is very important. You know, don't assimilate a hundred percent because uh, you know, because you just want to be whitewashed. Yeah. If you're going out with a white person, you know, don't. Mm. Um, you know, always remind yourself your culture and be proud of it, which everyone should do, and celebrate the differences. You know, you it should be compromise, not sacrifice. Discuss your location of home. I don't know where that come from. What you do know, you mean sometimes, by that? Like where I think it matters people where you have, live, right? Yeah, it matters where you yeah, live. Totally. Sometimes people have long distance relationship and they have to eventually choose one place to live together. Oh, I right. Guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that definitely um, will change the dynamics of the relationship. Yeah, I mean, even definitely. within a whole city, like say like your partner wants to live in Potts Point and you want to live in Marrickville. Like there's like <laughs> two egregiously different locations within Really? Oh my god, so oh, different. Okay. What the hell? Or like Kirribilli. <laughs> Seriously, who the fuck decides to live in Kirribilli? I don't know. I think differences will be like Cabramatta or Potts Point. Oh god, no, I think no, that would be massive difference. Yeah, yeah, that is well Potts Point and Mar- Potts Point and Marrickville, the the wealth is more similar than than um Cabramatta and Potts Point, obviously. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, another final two points were um, don't expect your partners to change for you and don't underestimate the role of extended family. Um, we haven't really talked about family dynamics as in like the extended family within the intercultural. Yeah, that's really complicated. I think that's very complicated. Because, because of the language barrier. One, because of the language barrier and also how, you know, the in-laws and your mm. own parents mm. interact with your own like little family now yeah. like for example some grand like once you have kids or if you don't have kids like your parents will want you to have kids or once you have kids that they will be very dominant I, I know I've seen a lot of Asian grandparents they're very um, I wouldn't use the word dominant but they're <laughs> what's the other word um, they just so, want to take control yeah 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 totally. about about their own kids and their own grandkids yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah are you talking about your own parents no, I think uh, I think mom mom doesn't really, yeah, mom doesn't really do that much to me now. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> now now once she did, <laughs> yeah, before. <laughs> um, but for me, it will be like continuous communication. Yeah, yeah. and definitely don't put up shit. <laughs> I mean, if you're uncomfortable with certain things, you know, you just have to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. it applies to all type of relationships. I wonder if talking like. I do, I've been thinking about this a lot and like in the last couple of weeks I've been thinking about how talking through something really is, it feels like the the only pathway to relating and understanding with someone and I wonder if yeah. there are some things that just cannot be overcome through by talking and like when you're talking with someone like being very open and feeling like you, the other person is giving you the safe space to actually for you to be honest you know mm-hmm. i mean you can yeah. talk 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 but a lot of people uh when they talk they lie to themselves and then when that lie comes out um the other person registers something that's actually not true and then you know a lot of miscommunication and then in the future shit falls mm-hmm. into pe- like pieces um your relationship crumbles because you can't be honest with yourself right mm-hmm. so i think it's really important to like feel like the person you're with gives you the space to feel comfortable yeah, to actually true. be honest. Yeah, that's very important. And show up um honestly and and mm-hmm. give them give them yeah. your true like feelings and your thoughts. Yeah. I actually yeah, have been think thinking so that that's such a rare thing, you know? Like it's rare to find someone who will give you the space to feel not judged and for you to feel safe in expressing mm-hmm. how you truly feel. I think that's the only mm-hmm. re- that's the only way that you can understand yourself. And once you understand mm-hmm. yourself, then you can be a better person within that relationship. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. I think that's why everyone needs a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. I always said that if I was yeah. PM one day, I would like first thing I would do is like mandate the fact, like a hundred... Free therapists yeah, for th- everyone. <laughs> yeah, like everyone gets like 20 sessions of therapy every year for free. Seriously, yeah. I just think yeah. the world would be a better place. Yeah. If everyone had a therapist. On that note, <laughs> what did you want to leave our listeners thinking about? I think sometimes it's not about racial or cultural differences because every type of relationship 
there will be a barrier, obstacle, yeah, challenges. Yeah. Because you all come from like different family. Yeah, know? exactly. The upbringings are all very different. It's just perhaps, you know, if you're coming from a different country or your culture is very different, perhaps you'll have one or two more things that you will have to sort it out mm. before moving on. I think, what do you think? Yeah, I guess I've, I've been thinking like just trying to find more the balance between, you know, celebrating and sharing that part of your culture that your partner might not know about you, you know, and like mm-hmm. celebrating in that, yeah. but also trying to find the similarities between the two of you, which, you know, there are, there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. between me and a fly, you know, and I think it, it'll be a better mm-hmm. world when we start. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Or like me and a cat, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a better world when we start actually trying to focus our attention on things that, um, things that we share as opposed to like things that yeah make us different, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So once again, thank you to our listeners. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google and Apple and we're now on Acast. Please give us a rating review and share our podcast to your friends. You can find our updates on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Asian Bitches Down Under. We'll work on discussions and feedback. So we'll chat to you next week. Yeah, what are you doing this weekend, by the way? I've got like several uh, events happening. What? Oh, no, just like... Why are you getting so many oh, events? No, I, I kind of just want a nothing weekend where I go to the beach because it's like 33, 34 for, yeah, on birthdays in Sydney. That's what we'll be doing. Oh, I wish I could do that. Also, on, Friday, on Saturday, I have this like really massive gathering with one of my favorite people um and i haven't seen her in like a year so we're having like so white i feel like i'm so white for saying this but we're having brunch together <laughs> and then um kyle and billy are throwing a massive um friends giving dinner party on saturday night so i'm really <laughs> excited they don't want to celebrate okay. thanksgiving they just want to call it friends giving and then that's so yeah, cute and then on sunday i'm speaking on a panel at the wollongong writers festival um, which is happening online. Ah, uh, should we put a link? Yeah, um, yeah. and I'm... Yeah, yeah we'll it's about sex. We're going to talk about sex. It's Oh, yes. Everyone would just tune in. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully it'll be it's an so interesting, interesting conversation. Yeah. yeah. I'll be just going to the beach. I'm so jealous. I'll just be on the beach, lying there, and let my dogs run around. Amazing. Just try not to let my kids down. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. Yeah, okay. So we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.